if you don't know that, then you hadn't watched the news or read the newspaper or you don't know what's going on, but you do know what's going on. We need a place, a refuge, and a place of strength because you can get pretty depressed if you just watch the news or read the news. If you just get feeds on your phone, whatever, I don't do any of that stuff, but if you just get whatever information comes to your eyes regarding what's happening in the world and particularly what's happening in the country that we live in, if you don't watch it, you can get depressed or mad or both. In the midst of all of that, in the midst of a fallen world, inhabited by fallen people doing fallen things. We need a place. We need a refuge. We need a place to gain strength. And, of course, this psalm teaches us who, not just what, that is. And we need this place of refuge and this place of strength, regardless and in the midst of the magnitude of events. And in a moment, we're going to read about some events that are not just, I got a hangnail. Uh, but regardless of what's going on around us, what's going on in our world and in our world, our particular world, or we need to be able to find that place of refuge. And this psalm will teach us that the stream that carries, that supports, flows from the throne of God. There is a stream. It flows from the throne of God. We're going to talk a lot about water today, so I hope you went to the restroom in the break. And I hope the power of suggestion doesn't work on you. But anyway, Psalm 46, if you would turn to that, if you haven't already, turn in your Bibles or on your device. Psalm 46, and I'm reading today from the New King James and uh, if you would stand while we read uh, these 11 verses. God is our refuge and strength. Let's say that together. God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, and Selah, kind of a musical break there. Nobody knows exactly what that is, but it's kind of a, mu a break or a rest. And then he says, There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just as the break of dawn, just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Make a mental note of that verse, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear into. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Verse 11, which is identical to verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. You can be seated. 
I want to note right from the outset that when it says God is our refuge and strength, I want to note that we're talking about a person. It's a person of refuge and strength. It's not a program. It's it's not a situation. It's not uh, anything outside of God being a person. And he, the person, is our refuge and strength. The church is not our refuge and strength. Church is important. It's important to all of us. And again, I'm not going to ask who watched the midweek video, but this past week it was the value of community and what the, how that it's important to us to be a part of a community. But that's not our refuge and strength. Our refuge and strength is a person, and he is our God. Refuge in this verse is a, a word that just talks about being a shelter from the storm. Isn't it interesting that we sang this morning, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, which begs us the question, what are we going to do? What do we do in the middle of the storm? And I'm talking about the storms out there. I'm talking about the storms that's in us or the storms of the world, the storms of our life. What do are we going? Are we going to complain? Are we going to hide? Are we going to sing? Paul and Silas had a storm. They got locked up. What did they decide to do? They sung in the middle of their storm at midnight. It's a place where we find trust. We place our trust. One definition of this refuge is a fortress. (laughs) Of course, today we say, you are my fortress. Um, I think we're getting the impression God's trying to tell us something. And that is that each one of us who live, again, in a fallen world, we have some measure of trouble and circumstances in our life that would cause us consternation. And so we need strength. We need that fortress, and we need a place of strength, power, and security. We need a place where we can be firm and strong in the middle of the circumstances, in the middle of what's happening to us, in the middle of the phone call that you just got, in the middle of the email that came yesterday, you need somewhere, you need a resource. I need a resource to be firm and strong. As I said last Sunday, often God does not change our circumstances. Often he leaves our situation exactly like it is. But he changes us from the inside out. And our response to the circumstances is what changes. Instead of wringing our hands and worrying and, and, and we, oh my goodness, what's going on? Instead of that, we find a posture, <clears throat> excuse me, of to be firm and to be strong. He says God is our refuge. God is our strength. In most of the versions, it says something like a very present help in trouble or a very present help in time of trouble. And the word present there is, isn't just that he's in the present tense or he's in the present time, but it means that he is, he is present. He's, he's available. In other words, it means uh, a very accessible help in time of trouble. He is a 
very accessible. I know sometimes we want to put our hand on something to solve our problems. I, I like putting my hand on something, you know, to solve my problems. But sometimes, saying sometimes, the help that you need is not physical. Not something you can put your hand on. But it's God himself who's only accessible through prayer. Now, you'll find God in your fellowship with brothers and sisters. You'll find God in your brothers and sisters praying for you and blessing you. But at the end of the day, what gets you through your time of trouble is is God himself who is accessible. We need to remember that. Because we, if we don't watch it and we read too much, too much of the other stuff, we think God is far off somewhere and he's not really accessible. As a matter of fact, that's, you know, some of the philosophy of the day. Deism is that God created the earth. He's put us on the earth and he went off somewhere. We don't know where he went. And one day he's going to come back and get us until then we're on our own kid. That's just wrong. That's just wrong because God is accessible now, in in time of trouble, it's interesting that when we talk about trouble, what is what is that? Well, I mean, it can be small, it can be large. It, it's it's the the word that the sons of Korah use here is a word that means to to be narrow, to be confining in a space. It means to be in dire straits. Um, it implies. A great strength. You know what it really means is tightness. Tightness. Now, I'm not going to get too graphic, and I'm not going to mention a certain part of the human anatomy. But we all know that there are certain, there's parts of the human anatomy that in times of trouble, we get tight. That's all I'm going to say about that. And that's what... That's what's intended here in this psalm is when we get in those moments where we experience tightness, where we experience confinement, where we experience adversity, affliction, tribulation, whatever it may be. So I sure wish you'd preach more positive messages. Well, if I can find them in the Bible, I'm going to do it. I'm preaching the word. Trouble. Trouble doesn't have to defeat you. Trouble does not have to own you. Trouble does not have to dictate your life. We let it happen. You may not, the, the circumstances, the adversity, the squeezing, it's another definition of that word trouble, is that we're squeezed. It, it, does not, it might not go away, but it does not have to own you. Your steps, your words, your lives, your decisions do not have to be dictated by what's going on or immediately around you in your life. He is a help that has been found reliable. Reliable. The ESV study Bible says it this way, God has proven to be a reliable stronghold in the past so that any future calamity is no reason to fear. If he's been good in the past, he'll be good in the future. If he's been good in the past, he'll be good in the present. He'll be good all the time, and he has been. One of the best things you can do is 
A, do not live in the past, but B, look to the past. Don't live there. You know, give me that old-time religion. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. But anyway, look back and see what God has done in your life. Look back, and especially those times when you thought, this is it. I'm going under. I'm failing. Whatever be the case, this is the end of that. Look back at those times and be reminded that God delivered you from those times. And when you're in the middle of those things, you really can't see it. But when you get beyond into that place of victory, when you turn around and look back, you think, boy, howdy, I remember that time. And I thought that was the end of it. And I remember that time. And I thought, boy, that was, and I remember that time. And every time you'll see that God delivered you. He might not have delivered you the way you thought he would, but he did at the end of the day. And because God is our refuge and our strength, we will not fear. We will not fear. And look at verses 2 and 3. Even though even though the earth is removed. Now, that's more than a hangnail. That's more than your iPhone battery going dead. The earth being removed. I think the sons of Korah, I don't know which one of his sons wrote this, but anyway... I think they used the, this, the, the, uh, the magnitude of this event to say to us, it doesn't matter what it is, even if the earth is removed. Now, you know, obviously we'd be gone if that happened. Uh, I live on the earth. I think you do too. He says that even if the earth is removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, these are huge events. And I think what the, what the Holy Spirit is saying to us is we think that's what's happening to us is the worst thing that could ever happen in the moment that it's happening. And he's saying to us in Psalm 46, could be the earth being removed, or it could be that the mountains fall into the sea. Your mountains could fall into the sea. Your earth could be, it could be all of that. But regardless of that, we will not fear. We will not fear. Let me just say this. Of course, that's verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear even though. Let me just say this, and I've said it before. Too many of God's people live by fear. Too many of God's people are dictated by fear. We're afraid of everything. We're afraid of everything that's going to happen to us, and then we're afraid of everything that's not going to happen to us. Every move we make is is dictated by our fears. I want to tell you that even if the earth is removed and your mountains fall into the sea, even though God's still your refuge and strength, he's still the one, as the song says. He's still the one that you can lean on. He's still the one that's going to rescue you from whatever the trouble is that you're going through. He says there is a river. The river of God. Revelation 22 says, Then he showed me the river whose waters give life. Where's this river come from? It's sparkling like crystal. Where does it come from? It's flowing out from the throne of God 
and of the Lamb. And so when the Bible talks about this river of God, we know that the source of this river is God himself, the throne of God that flows out. He said, there is a river whose streams make, make glad the city of God. It's an interesting thing that the Bible refers to the Godhead in the, in the form of rivers or fountains. Uh, uh, Jeremiah 2.13 talks about God the Father when it describes him as the fountain of living waters. Zechariah 13.1 refers to God the Son and it describes him as a fountain who, who shall be opened for sin and for uncleanness. It's a messianic verse. And, of course, in John 7, 38 and 39, uh, the Scripture describes God the Holy Spirit. It says that rivers of living water shall flow out of you. And John tells us the very next verse, he spoke this concerning the Spirit. Of God. And so we see all through Scripture this usage of the river of God or the fountains of God, the water of God flowing out from the throne of God to you and me, and we need to be in that river. We need to be all wet. Its streams make glad the city of God. And in this particular case, when we read the city of God, we would translate that to his church, to the church of God. To the people of God. His streams make glad the church of God. The church of Jesus Christ. So when we think about God's river, God's streams, we ask the question, have you ever, I know the answer to this, so there's no reason for you to answer, but have you ever felt like you were swimming upstream? Last name be Salmon. Have you ever felt like the more you fought, the tougher it got. Now, there may be a clue right there that if you are in dire straits, if you are in a place of tightness, if you are in a place where you're being squeezed, maybe you need to stop fighting and let God do what God does. Religion seeks to cause us to operate by rules and regulations and cause us to solely focus on what God has said and done in the past. Religion always wants us to just pay attention to what God has done in the past. And let me just say quickly, it's important what God did in the past. And we need to know what God did in the past. But God, I think God wants us to draw from what he said and did in the past and, big old letter, and what he is saying and doing now. What is God saying to you now? What is he doing in your life now? He wants us in his stream. He wants us in his river and his waters Think about what a river does. It flows. A, a, a river is not stagnant. A river is moving. The, and by the way, the Christian life is not static. The, the Christian life is not supposed to be stagnant. We're not just living here, trying to be good, trying to do good things. 
and hopefully one day we'll go to heaven. But the, the, the Christian life is a life of movement. It moves from one place to another. I'm glad Scott Sims is here today because I will tell a story on, on Scott. I think it was 1982 or 1983, we were whitewater rafting in the Okoe River. Scott will remember this. But we were going down the, it was probably eight, or eight of us in the raft. I mean, we went through a particularly rough spot in the, in the rapids. And um, knowing Scott, he probably jumped. But the next thing I saw was Scott flying over us and landing in the water in front of us. Fortunately, was not injured. And, and then I watched, he, he, we all had helmets on. I watched as his helmet bobbed up and down, going down the stream. And ultimately, we picked him up and put him back in the raft. You know why that happened? Well, it happened, again, Snowing Scott, he probably jumped out. But anyway, but he kept moving. Why? Because the water was moving fast. The water was moving from one spot to another spot. And here's another, if you let me chase a rabbit just a little bit, where we picked him up was that when you got to a certain spot in the rapids of the Okoe River, when you got to a certain spot, the water calmed. It was like it was like a sheet of, of glass. Now it was still moving. It was still moving, but wasn't moving as fast. We picked him up and got him. And I want to tell you that sometimes God will allow you to live in the rapids, but some He will always give you a respite. He'll always give you that spot in your life when it's a little calmer. And of course, the next thing we came to after that calm—I didn't know I was going to talk about whitewater rafting today. The next thing we came to, and you'll just have to allow me to use profanity today, is a spot that they call the hell hole. And it's, it's a rapid that it's so dangerous that at certain times of the year, they won't even let you go in it. This time they did. And, and you, you, you paddle your raft down into this like a, a upside down whirlpool down into this thing, and it spits you out. Again, certain times of the year, the water's flowing so fast, they won't even let you go in there. So we went from rapids to calm and then to this rapid, the very last one, and then we were done. How apropos that is to the Christian life. How much does that relate to the way God deals with us? Because sometimes... Where God takes us, sometimes where God allows us to go, we feel like he's brought us to our own little hell hole because it feels like that. And yet at the end of the day, we're up by the bank getting in our vehicles. A river moves from one place to another. A river produces energy. What are the benefits of God's river? 
Well, first of all, there's a flow of God's supplying nutrients to us. Secondly, there's stability. Now, it sort of makes no sense to say in a river you have stability because if you've ever tried to stand in a river that's moving pretty swift, it's hard to stand up. But we're not talking about a physical river. We're talking about God's river. And in God's river, we find our refuge and our strength. God is in the midst of his people. God is, when God is in the midst of his people, his church, the church, you will not be shaken. You may be tested. You may be wondering. But at the end of the day, if you're shaken, it's because you've, you have uh, embraced doubt and insecurity. Look at verse 7. Come, uh, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And so if we are flowing in the river of God, we we find ourselves in a place where we're resting in his works. I'm not going to get into the works part here, but he said, behold. And so we would behold the works of the Lord. He made desolations in the earth. He made wars cease to end. He breaks the bow, burns the chariot, Look at the works that God has done, particularly, particularly, I used to could talk, observe the works that he's done in your life. Or observe the works that he has done in people around you in their life that you know real close. Observe those works. And don't forget them. Observe them. And then he says, In verse 10, be still. Observe the works of God and then be still. What does that mean? It means to rest. Be still and know that I am God. We we struggle, we strain, we fight to try to know God. God said, if you'll just be still and watch. The Old Testament, they said, watch for the salvation or watch the salvation of God. Watch, rest. And then he repeats himself in verse 11. The Lord God of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And so what we need to do is to make sure that we get in the river, stay in the river. How do you do that? Well, I mean, you know, I'm going to sing the same old song I always sing, and that is to delight in and to meditate on God's word. If you want to know God intimately, you need to read what he said. You need to read what he says to us by the Holy Spirit. You need to put your trust and your hope in the Lord. Because if you're going to get through time of trouble, you better have your trust somewhere else beside the trouble. Besides your own ability to smart your way out of the trouble. But we put our trust in God. And this is easy to say. But I've lived long enough that I've had enough trouble in my life. I understand what it means that in the midst of that, to be able to say to God, regardless of what happens, I put my trust in you. I believe at the end of the day that you're the one that will, that will dictate the outcome. Put your tr- Jeremiah 17 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. 
For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which sounds familiar, Psalm 1, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green. I'm saying to you today that are in this room and those of you watching online, I'm saying that your leaf will be green regardless of what it feels like. And you will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will you cease from yielding fruit. Why? Because your trust is in God. If you want to be in the river of God, you got to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You got to be spirit controlled. Ephesians 5, he said, be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit, not outside influences. He said, don't get drunk. That's not what I'm talking about. Don't get drunk with wine because that causes problems. But allow the Holy Spirit to control you in an even better way than being inebriated can control you. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers. Everybody say rivers of living water. And then as I alluded to earlier, John said, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. If you want to be to flow and live in the river of God, you must allow the Holy Spirit to control you. You must allow and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. When it says be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5, for one thing, if it says to you and to me to be filled, there's an indication there that we got something to do with it. But also the word there means to be filled and keep on being filled. It's not a one-time deal. You've heard me say a thousand times, we leak. And because we leak, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we again, sometime in the future, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit again. And sometime in the future and so on, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit again. We need to l- allow the Holy Spirit to be the one who controls our lives. Is your world shaky? Does your world seem unstable? Then get in the river. Are you facing some kind of a drought in some area of your life? I'm not even going to name, but there's several that come to mind. Are you facing some kind of a deficiency in some area of your life and you don't know what to do? Get in the river. Maybe you're in a time of trouble in some varying degree. You don't know what to do about it. According to this psalm, get in the river. Because there's the river of God whose streams make glad the church of God. Let's make sure that the streams of the river of God are where we live and where we drink. Then we'll find God 
the source of our refuge and strength. Stand with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you that when we go through tough times, that you're there with us. We thank you that you provide a Psalm 46 and others like it that help us to remember where our hope is. It reminds us, Lord God, that you are our refuge. You are our fortress. You are that place of strength that we have, that place where we are able to be firm and strong in the midst of whatever it is we're going through. Knowing, Lord God, as the example that I have used this morning, knowing that there is a place in the future of calm waters, waters that are still moving but calm, preparing us for the next. Lord God, we thank you for the calm waters, and we also thank you for the rough waters because it's in the rough waters that you teach us, shape us, mold us into your image. As we go out of here today and go out into our particular and our respective places throughout the week, I pray that we would have a fresh sense of whatever is around us that we would choose to sing in the middle of our storm. And we would, we would choose to embrace you as our fortress. And so that we would not be set back. We would not be set aside. But we would continue moving through whatever it is that's in front of us. Let your river carry us from one place to another. Holy Spirit, I pray that you've said more than I have. And I pray that every one of us walk out of here having heard something from the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that that would enable us to represent you into, in our world, in our culture. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, God bless you. Thank you for listening. Happy Memorial Day.